0: I am now an angel investor. I invest in other people. So what am I looking for? I'm looking for their ability to get up after a knock. I'm looking for people whom I've watched go through adversity, own it, be responsible, work it through.
1: Susanna Cole is a resilient and inspiring figure in the world of property investing. She was a guest on episode 15 of our podcast, where she discussed the role of sacrifices in achieving success. Shortly after her appearance on our show, Susanna faced a challenging year in 2021 when she was diagnosed with three different types of cancer. Despite these setbacks, she displayed an incredible determination to overcome adversity. Her story serves as a powerful reminder that no matter where you start in life or the challenges you face, success is attainable. Susanna's expertise in property investing spans, deal sourcing, packaging, flipping, raising private finance, joint ventures, and finding investors. She has also built a multi-million pound property portfolio. Stay tuned to learn more about her journey.
2: Are you thinking about building your wealth? Are you thinking about where to start or not knowing where to start in your wealth creation journey? At Property Wealth Education, we teach people how to get started, how to build an empire and how to invest passively and actively using property in your wealth creation. Month in, month out, week in, week out, we have curated courses that is available to you free and paid and through our upgraded mentorship program, the Wealth Circle. If you're thinking of building your wealth, we want to invite you to click on a, a link below the show notes on this video. Uh, To book a call with us, we'd like to have a chat to help you start to build your wealth, build a legacy for yourself and your family. Susan O'Call, we have you all the way from Bristol. Thank you so much for joining us. Nice Uh, to be
0: here. And we have been having a bit of a chat off camera. And we were like, we better get on with this because (laughs) all this good stuff, we want to share it with you guys.
2: You know, and interesting myself, uh, we've been building some very, very amazing relationship over the last two three years now
0: yep yep wow. I was on your podcast not the first person but on the, earlier the earliest the no, earliest part yes uh-huh. <laughs> so and then we did a live and now it's lovely to be here
2: it's to see you in person right yes
0: yes wow so we have been just revving entrepreneurship so we need to share with you
2: i know i know this episode of the wealth and business podcast is brought to you by our partner and sponsor ramsey and white Ramsey & White is an award-winning specialist intermediary covering property, finance, wealth management and estate agency. The Ramsey & White team can help you secure or source funding for your buy-to-lets, your HMOs, your commercial development, holiday-lets, portfolio acquisition. They also offer financial reviews covering pension and investment. Not restricted by lenders or locations, the team at Ramsey & White will help you build momentum covering or growing your investment portfolio feel free to contact ramsey and white who is our partner and our sponsor for this episode of the wealth and business podcast the links to contacting ramsey and white will be somewhere around the show notes make sure to reach out to them as this company has actually helped me build my property portfolio over the last Six years. You know, I think I'll just go straight in, right? Great. So, when it comes to OPM, yes, other people's money. First of all, let's let's talk about what is OPM. Yeah, why people should understand it, and why people should obviously understand how to risk and how to de-risk. Yes,
0: and it will depend on who you are, how you see the world, and where your risk profile is as well. Mm. So, OPM, other people's money. For me, that always meant private finance. That meant um, you've got you've got formal finance, which is the banks, the bridging, you, you know, corporate banks, you, you know, portfolio banks like Handel's Banking, um, and then you've got private investors, which for me was either joint venture partners. So a simple example: we buy a property, it goes in their name. Um, they do no work at all. Uh, we do all the work, and we split the profit 50-50 and, and go again. Or private finance, where they lend me the money, I buy properties, I either flip and make the money and then pay them their interest or I buy, refurb, refinance and pay them out and uh, and pay them their interest. So so for me, private finance was two routes. See the joint ventures flipping? Yeah. Uh, I never kept the JV partner or it was uh, lending me the money and then I don't mean I did what I want with the money, but I was either bought myself a property portfolio and repaid them or I flipped with using their money. So JV Partners, the risk sits on the property, whereas private loans, the risk is fair and square in your shoulders and you are obligated to pay them back yourself. Hmm. So in terms of risk and reward, I always like to balance it out. Personally I never raised more than, I I raised millions and I've paid every single penny back, Hmm. but I never raised more than a million pound at any one time. And then i paid it back and then i went out to the market and raised it again then paid it back um but that is private finance lending into me yes joint ventures at one point i had 30 flipping flip joint ventures on the go at the same 30. time 30 30 that was quite good fun hmm. uh, which meant that i was sharing 50 percent profit of 30 flips within the same time period yeah so if you like because the risk sits on the property although obviously you have to do a really good job there your risk on a joint venture is a reputational risk less than a financial risk. But clearly, you're going to have to do everything you can to make sure it works. Whereas your risk on somebody lending you the money personally is a financial risk first and a reputational risk second.
2: Yeah, You know, a lot of people often think OPM, other people's money, first of all, is a rocket science. You know, they are not people who are out there that's going to borrow you money. Oh, there are. Fantastic! I love the way you're coming. Oh, there are
0: my friend Arthur just raised a million quid private cash for last Friday and, yep. and completed on a two point eight million pound project. Job done.
2: Yeah, and people often think it's a rocket science yeah. generically, especially for those who are at the beginning stage of yeah. their journey. You know, I went through a journey myself, especially over the last three years, where I've been able to, you know, timeline over la- over the last three years, I've been able to raise over one point five million. Well done, and. I've, I've gone through that first circle which we yes. were discussing now we were... you know and now we're in the second circle yes which means you know going you know having the evidence to prove so you can re-leverage yes and so on and so forth but let's stay here for one minute okay a lot of people think other people's money is too risky a lot of people who are also looking to invest To people that are able to invest their money in property also think, what is my security?
0: Absolutely. Two questions in there. All right. So the person looking for the money, other people's money is too risky. Uh, What is your risk profile? So the way, if you don't mind if I kind of pull it back to my situation, I thought to myself, number one, um, there are two different ways that I can secure their money. Um, uh, I I would either secure their money on a different property to the property I was buying, now that only works if you already got property, Property, and I would either do that if that property didn't have a mortgage as a first charge, a second charge or if that property did have a mortgage, I would do it as a floating or an equitable charge, which means the charge isn't necessarily registered at Land Registry, but it's registered in with the solicitors. Now, I'm not a legal person, solicitors need to explain that stuff to you. Um, Alternate, and I obviously would always have legal agreements, but I liked to secure larger sums of money always on assets so that if something went wrong, there is an asset to fall back on and that person's money is secured smaller parts bits of money so 10 20 30 grand although a large amount of money for a human being they were not necessarily secured but they were uh, i used to sign those documents myself in my personal name so effectively i'm on the hook for it so what i was looking at there was saying to myself okay i'm only going a million at any one point because worst case scenario i can work for 20 years and pay it off mm-hmm. like i wouldn't enjoy it, but I can, you know, like back into a day job. Secondly, the larger bits of money of the fundraising triangle are secured on assets and the smaller bits are secured uh, with my personal name on a legal document always. Uh, And then the other piece of it's not formal security but i also ran a couple of cash generating uh, projects strategies so flipping and deal packaging so that i wasn't just relying on the buy refurb refinance and and pay the investor back and me renting out i also had big lump sums of cash coming in as a deal packager and bigger lump sums coming in as a flipper to go if anything goes wrong then i got two more lanes of cash generating and obviously your financial needs as the person risking your money with me are greater than my financial needs. And then finally, um, worrying about kind of being able to pay back as the human being, I would never take more than 20% of their pot. You know, I had people who were so enthusiastic, they're like, Suze, I've got like, I don't know, 600 grand. I'm like, great, I'm gonna take 120 or 130 of that money. I'm, and they're like, please take the money. No, that's your entire pot. Let's start with one. Let's make sure it works. I'm only ever going to take 20% of your pot because for me, that felt safer. Now looking at it from the other way around, yeah. um, I am now an angel investor. I invest in other people. So what am, I, what am I looking for? I'm looking for their ability to get up after a knock. I'm look, I'm looking for people whom I've watched go through adversity, own it, be responsible, work it through. So I I mentioned my friend Arthur, uh, who just raised a million quid. Now he and I text most mornings and he for sure is up like I'm not necessarily saying that you need to be part of the hustle culture but he is almost always up working at 5am certainly by 6am because I'm a bit of an early bird I'm like morning and he's like right back at me morning he's working you know so he and I have watched him uh, build his project property portfolio and go through a number of adverse situations you know with we've got a recession you know things don't always sell so I've I've seen the behavior when it's difficult and that for me is the number one like obviously you secure it legally of course you secure it with charges against assets but the basic thing is the leadership of the the person running the project can they manage when the going gets tough and that's the character i'm looking for
2: you know the, when the going gets off is is the is the is usually the big problem yes because a lot of people are quick to run bury themselves in the sand yes and assume the whole problem is going to go away
0: and wouldn't we love to do that <laughs> ostrich <That's right. laughs>
2: <laughs> no it doesn't
0: no it doesn't work you does have it? to
2: you have to you have to work yes to get rid of the problem
0: yes you do Yes, you do, and uh, I'll be really clear. I've twice I didn't I wasn't able to pay people back in time. Hmm. Twice. Now I've raised a lot of money from a lot of people, so it's a very low percentage, but it's a horrible feeling yeah. and each time the other thing if i was lending money let me come into that i would want to know plan a b c d and e yeah so when i was borrowing money and by the way i'm i'm, I'm now the other side around i lend money not borrow money you know but when i was borrowing money Plan A might be buy, refurb, refinance and rent out. Plan B might be, okay, if that doesn't work, I'm going to flip it and give them their money back. Plan C might be, okay, um, uh, I'm going to run four package deals and give them the money back. Plan D might be, I'm going to joint venture on another project over there. The profit for that will pay them their money back. And plan E might be, I'm going to get a bridge and pay them their money back. So there has to be a whole bunch of failures before I can't give somebody their money back. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. And the, the plan F, which is basically um, a Ponzi scheme, which is I'm going to borrow from someone else to pay them their money back. That was never part of my reckoning. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and I did it once I, with my very close friends, I sent around a little text going, hashtag help (laughs) and i and 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 i only did it once but that's not a solution no And and it was because plan a b c d and e all hadn't come clean you know it's very rare that you have five different exit routes from a property and and they don't come clean but you know twice they didn't
2: i mean this is the thing when it comes to building wealth one of the things i've realized is even institutions themselves yeah the institution themselves they are well there's a strong element of even ponty that's why they have the um what's it called in uh, financial world now where other other institution actually buy all, buy all the debt and yes. then and then they ref, they re, they restructure the debt that's and so right. on and so forth and on the other hand the government itself is run with leverage yes the government borrow to run government
0: yes but who are you And where do you sit with that in terms of risk? So for me, and we've had this conversation before, and I've really enjoyed it. We're very different people. You're an empire builder. I'm lifestyle. I live in Barcelona half my year. I go swimming in the sea every day when I'm there. Uh, And so I'm a person who likes things paid off. I'm a person who is very grateful for the banks, but is really comfortable owning property without any mortgages. Uh, and and so that is a lifestyle because I am interested in tranquility.
2: So you got so you got the massive equity sitting on the asset.
0: Yeah, and no but bank f- telling me what to do.
2: In order for you to get to that place, yes. obviously these are the steps that you you hundred
0: percent. It's it you cannot get there in my opinion and experience without going through the jungle, not jungle, going through the journey. Yeah,
2: actually. the journey. Yes. Because what we're trying to you know where we want to go to with this is basically. Allowing, you know, the audience to really know the the, the build point. Yes. The foundation. Yes. How do you set up the foundation? Yes. Because from time to time, I speak to different types of people, different types of investors. Sometimes you have investors. I'll give an example. One of my clients, a member of our World Circle community, he said to me, he said, Daniel, I would never in my life go to somebody to invest a hundred thousand pounds. I can't because he's going to think I'm broke he's going Ah, to think he's going to think uh, he's going to think i'm suffering he said i get it you teach it but no way i'm going to go and do that i'm going to go and bust my work do whatever you know i have to do and to get the money and i am going to invest in property
0: did he eventually turn his thinking around or is he still very stiff Yes. Till today. So, so again, one of my students, Shanae, Shanae Banda, if she's watching, she's fabulous. And she was like, I am not working with investors. I'm like, okay. Uh, last year she worked with 14 investors. But because it's a really uncomfortable concept. yes, Especially for people who are super honest. Mm-hmm. Y- you know, because that feels so outside of almost morality. But actually, if we think about it. Um, so during lockdown, so, so my dad um, was a maths professor, retired early, clearly, power of compound interest and all the rest of it. And he's in his 80s now, we, very fit man, very, very nice human being. Um, and in lockdown every day, he sent us the story of one of the owners of the house that my mum and dad live in outside of Glasgow. So it's a very old house, so it's had a lot of owners. And 150 to 200 years ago, There were no mortgage companies. So you're familiar with the brand Scottish Widows? Yeah. That's because people bought houses 150 years ago by borrowing widows' money. Private investors. Yeah. And it was fascinating. He would send us the old, you know, in lockdown, it was just like an entertaining, lovely thing that my dad did. And we were like, oh, let's look at this. And he would send us, you know, so-and-so bought the house and what were they funded by? The widow so-and-so's money. Because at that point, just because they weren't maybe as modern as they are now, women weren't able to manage the world or they weren't permitted to manage the yeah. money. So that was private finance. Yeah. Um, but now that's turned into corporate. And I think people just need to get past the uncomfortableness of thinking this is private finance is not allowed and saying, well, let me put into place the structures to ensure the best possible return for my investors, the, the safest possible route for my investors and the safest possible route for me, which is five plans, which is. A ton of research on the property, which is fixed price contracts, which is you you, you know all of those things. Good governance, good professional property work to keep you safe, to keep your investors safe in an entrepreneurial situation.
2: Yeah, I I totally agree with that because if you don't have the plan, if you don't have the exit strategy, yeah. So I always say you have to have the exit strategy for the portfolio. Agree. You have to have an exit strategy. For diversification yes. of your clientele yes your clientele means your tenants yes the correct. kind of people are going to live there yes because there has to be two exits number one is your exit in terms of are you selling are you refinancing uh, okay are you refinancing are you taking a second charge yeah and as well as are you generating cash flow how many percentage was the return on investment in yes. 12 months time yeah does the return on investment in 12 months time pay down the debt or does the return on investment in 12 months time actually pay down the interest as well yes because it's all about how do you keep your investors sweet that's right raising finance and using other people's money is obviously it's it's something that you and i had to learn do we have experience in it and some people don't understand how it works but the very basic thing first is you have to understand how to manage risk yes it's so important to understand how to manage risk so what are you going to do when everything goes wrong so yes. one if you get a down valuation
0: which can happen
2: two if the property doesn't sell at the market price of which, which you can sell, and you've actually overdeveloped the property and uh, you couldn't yeah. sell mm-hmm. number three okay what if it wasn't just the market to sell right the while we're in now affordability has gone over the roof yeah right so people could be interested in buying the property it's almost like two people have to come together with one single income in order for you to get the appropriate mortgage to buy the asset right four okay i think i can go on and off yeah
0: i think you can let's (laughs) keep going yeah
2: all right okay number four is okay what if you know you get the exit in terms of how to get the money out what if the right tenant doesn't then rent the property from you yeah. and your stock you know instead of servicing that the investor you're actually now servicing the debt you know the debt and the investor unable to pay them what is the extra strategy yeah. finally are you going to just allow time pass so the market can just automatically correct itself which is one of the things i love about property because yeah. over time property always have a way if you allow time and patience yes it does have a way where it can just auto correct itself but you have to allow time so these are the things you obviously have to know in order for you to leverage and to de-risk your risk
0: so it's professionalizing it's saying oh if the property doesn't rent what do i need to change is it the decor is it the marketing you know is it the company that's renting it is it the client that i'm aiming at you know uh, shall i do service to come you know you can you can own all of those things all of those things yeah. every single one of those things you just listed there are solutions for yeah so it's kind of knowing your craft as well isn't it
2: yeah it's absolutely knowing your craft so why are many people learning the skill and how to leverage and raise money
0: why are they not
2: why are they not
0: they're scared
2: why is, why is the fear
0: because we're brought up not to and i'm brought up not to like debt i'm a hundred percent you know I come from scotland oh you're, you're not gonna do that <laughs> um, i think we're frightened i think we also you know people who go bust are usually people who've borrowed money mm-hmm. so we know that we are increasing our risk but what we have not necessarily done is learn exactly what you've just laid out which is the professional route to reduce the risk by managing the projects well and having alternative Exits in case the first exit doesn't go well. I think that people feel it's too static, whereas actually, I've always felt a bit like a boxer in property. I've always felt like your footwork needs to be really nimble. If so, for example, when I'm flipping, um, if I'm going to flip, I'm. Go- I know before I've even bought the property uh, what I'm going to sell the property for for four 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 weeks maximum. Then I'm going to drop the property to blah for two weeks, then I'm going to drop the property to blah for two weeks, then I'm going to rent it out as a single-let, multi-let or service accommodation. I know that before I've bought the property six months earlier, because I'm nimble-footed about managing risk. And I think people don't feel that the solution is within their hands. And so they feel like, oh my goodness, what if I borrow money and then it goes wrong? Ah, and it's like, well, it's going to go wrong at some point. So therefore you move to plan B and you've already thought that out, so it's okay. And then you move to plan C and you've already thought that out. So it's okay. So I think if people were to feel more fluid about their ability to come up with multiple solutions, then it would feel easier to borrow money. And of course, you know... Nobody does a newspaper article about somebody that's borrowed millions of pounds and paid it back. I mean, I have not been approached by the Times or the Guardian no, about that. No. They do newspaper articles about people that go bust owing, you know, ten million quid.
2: And but but that's the reason why the news is very negative, isn't it? Yes, the news is very negative because negative stories sell. sell someone recently reached out to me and said to me and said oh dr daniel i love what you've been doing i can see your growth i followed you the last five years yes and i know exactly i've how- your
0: growth yeah <laughs> thank
2: you and, then, and he said i've seen where you started five years ago and i see where you are now and he said i just wanted to talk to you because i wanted you to be careful you know there's been um, so much good things being said about you yes that it almost looked like the world is waiting to see one negative and i said you know what negative is a good thing yes you know i said to i said to him i said negative is a good thing i said the reason why negative is a good thing is i'll give you a simple story in 2015 i lost 150000 pounds in ah. today's in today now you're talking to me i have built a gross you know business that's done over 7 million yes. in assets mm-hmm. you know and so on and so yeah. forth so i said so sometimes you've got to give away what you don't have i mean what you already have to get something new yes And this is the mentality entrepreneurs need to have because at the end of the day, sometimes it cannot be perfect if you're looking for perfection no. then you can't be thinking about how to leverage raising other people's money to do it
0: i raised millions of pounds and did so we ended up doing 45 million quids worth of property about it was 217 deals in four and a half years right I,
2: 45 million pounds
0: yes worth of
2: property worth of property
0: um, I, um, and we agreed purchase price at 30 million quid. so wow. 15 million quid discount before refurb okay
2: wow um
0: 217 deals I had done about 22, 23 million pounds worth of property before I even had a website, like in this digital age, you know, to be fair, I was a bit slow Mm -hmm. and I should have had a website before then, but done is better than perfect. Get on with it. Pick up the phone. Go
2: yeah absolutely sometimes i think a lot of things do hold people back you know yeah. so people would want to have a loan agreement before they go and talk to an investor
0: that's sensible
2: you know uh, and some sorry, people <laughs> finger
0: pointing <laughs> <laughs> that's fine and
2: some people will actually go and get invested and find a loan agreement
0: yeah yeah i personally would like the person to have uh, a, because if you have a loan agreement you can literally say hey shall we go over the agreement together No. and actually that really helps you're explaining it And they're reading it, but you're talking it through and saying, this clause means this. Obviously, they have to take legal advice. Of course they do. You're not a lawyer, not. But you can collectively, shoulder to shoulder, have a cup of tea, sit in a a banquet in a cafe and say, should we just go over this together? And it allows them to understand the process, and it allows you to understand the process. So I quite like people being prepared, but then I'm a geek, aren't I? Yes,
2: <laughs> I love that. I love the fact that you're a geek, so for a lot of people who are looking because i one of the things I say all the time is you can get into property ownership yes. and build long term wealth. Yes, you can. By leveraging... Yes. By raising finance, especially private investors. Because the truth be told, there's so many people that are actually sit- sitting in the safety of the £100,000 savings they have in their bank account yeah. that is actually losing their money yeah. in the bank right now. So I was having a very interesting conversation with someone the other day and said, I have £130,000 in my account in the last two years. Uh, and I've watched some of your, you know, podcasts, some, yeah. some of things you say, but I just... You know i just love to see the account balance and I actually <laughs> broke it down to yes. him and i showed how much he's lost over the last couple of years he's been watching me say opm opm and i said for example i offer xy to this amount and here is exactly how much you've lost and he still held it very close to his chest okay yes how about we help you build a property portfolio again he saw that had risk because yeah. the current interest rate has gone up there's been recession there was lockdown i mean during lockdown i bought a house for 450 now the house is worth 1.1 million that's
0: and, okay and, and that's that okay do.
2: now and you just have people just stuck in these ways
0: but then ultimately your job is almost not to persuade that one individual I think when you're... I mean, there are multiples. Yes. Yes. When you're recruiting investors, it's that classic investor triangle. And um, lots of people with a small amount of money at the base of the triangle. And then middle amount of people with a middle amount of money in the middle, funnily enough. And then a small number of people with, you know, 5 million and above uh, at the top of the triangle. Cash, that is. Yeah. And so the way I always thought was whilst somebody with 130,000, 140,000 could be a really great investor. Um, and I'll do five to nine touch points with somebody because you don't really trust them. They don't really trust you until, you know, whether it's a a phone call, a meeting, a a coffee, a Zoom call. Um, If after between five and nine meetings, they still feel uncomfortable releasing any of that cash, then that's just their comfort zone. So I will go, I will find the person who is comfortable releasing cash, but I'll only ever take 20% of their money. I think the other thing is people are like, Oh, I need to go and find somebody and take their money. But not take, but you know, borrow their money. Borrow their money. <laughs> no. What you need to do is meet enough people who have money. From that pool, there'll be a number of people who are willing to invest. And from that people, the number of people willing to invest in property. And from that people, if you want to do it in property, there'll be a number of people willing to invest with you. So the stats are so simple. One in ten people have money.
2: Right? Yeah, one in ten do.
0: One in two We'll say yes to you if you get them to five to nine touch points it's that simple a system
2: i totally no, agree no
0: more than that
2: at the beginning of the podcast you mentioned you're now in a place where you invest yes uh and then you you also mentioned you're in a you're in a place where now you know you like to be in control rather than about being in control so I've used myself here as a case study, and then obviously we can relate that to the audience. When you're you've been in property since yes, two thousand and nine-ish, two
0: thousand eight, two thousand eight. Yes. I, I pretty much started with Lehman Brothers going down. Yeah, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Yes, yes so
2: you've been you've been in property for over a decade, going yes. to over um you know over over fifteen, year, yes. approximately yeah, 15 yeah, years. Approximately fifteen years now, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've been in property over fifteen years. You've been through two cycles of recession. Yeah, Gone through one and the one in 2009 yes you know ish
0: which is where i made my fortune by buying yeah when everyone was saying you're crazy sorry i'm deep
2: <laughs> no i like that i like that you know because you make money when you make money when other people are saying don't do it yeah you do you know and i totally 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 love the fact that when things are going wrong, you get greedy. If Warren Buffett correctly yes. says that get greedy, you know, when when other people are fearful. Agreed. You know, and that's what you you, you know, whether we like it or not, you've got to fill your cup first. Yes. To actually, you know, be able to fill others' cups, you can't pour yeah. from from, a, from from an empty empty cup. Okay. So the fact that you started that time and and then you, you're not in a place where you are investing, what made you decide to start? basically owning all your assets in cash without mortgages. How did you get, obviously you raised money. My gut. What made you say, okay, I'm going to pay down now?
0: My gut feel. Just my body, my gut. Do you know what started it? So when I started, you know, you're like super wide-eyed, you're going to these property events, you're looking at the people at the front who are either talking about raising money, thinking that doesn't happen, or you're looking at people who are talking about buying discounted deals and you're thinking that doesn't happen. But I met some really great people, including... Uh, a really kind gentleman who had previously and unfortunately the word was previously owned 280 properties now what an accomplishment wow how much work what happened he lost it all Mm. and i met him at the very beginning of my property journey and he was so i'm you know just at an event and and of course my whole process was if i if i have your card i'm phoning you I'm phoning you five times until you don't answer me. Yeah. And then I phone the next person, you know, not like five times in five minutes. That's weird. But over the next two weeks, I'm going to phone you five times. And uh, and so somebody's going to lend me money and someone's going to teach me some property and, you know, that whole process. And he was incredibly kind to me because, you know, with kindness, I had nothing much to offer to somebody without money because I only had energy and work to offer. And he didn't have any money anymore. He'd gone bankrupt and he'd lost his wife. He'd lost his family. Unfortunately, you know, he'd lost his home, lost everything, lost everything in his late fifties. And he was, I remember, I remember him now. He came up the stairs in my house and he had, he spent a long time helping me just learn. And he said, take my example as what not to do. And he wasn't, he was being self-depreciating and incredibly kind so he wasn't saying don't do this in property he was saying don't overextend because he said I had it all and I lost it all because I overextended and so I've always kept that kindness of his time teaching me if you like what not to do through his personal pain which it was and gone I never want to be in the same heartbreaking condition that he, he found himself in having done huge amounts of work but just made a few missteps which of course cuz he was scaled up w- were big missteps not small missteps yeah he was overleveraged the banks pulled on him he lost a lot mm. so um and i've also also always looked at banks like i'm so grateful for you thank you very much Be you are not my friend and you don't care about me. And if you're not my friend and you don't care about me, I'm purely a number. It's one of the good things, you know, like uh, uh, the banks in some ways are so, they just want a signature, right? So it doesn't matter if you're a woman, a man, black, white, you know, in a chair, you know, visually impaired, they don't care about any of that stuff. They want a signature. So I love the fact that there's no prejudice in the fact that you're signing for a mortgage, but there is no care either. So if, if you're going they'll have you you know and so i've always been very grateful for banking but always been very mindful that the saying the banks will lend you an umbrella when sunshine and they'll take it away when it's raining is real so i've never trusted that they can be my safety boundary Yeah. therefore i need to create my own
2: Mm. yeah so basically created your own economy by just yeah de-risking yeah de-leverage
0: yeah if you have properties that are unencumbered, if either you want to buy something, you want to lend some money, uh, you have a problem, you can take lending out or you can sell them. Pop your hundreds of thousands of pounds in the ca- in the in bank, bank again. Account. Yeah, so easy.
2: Let's look at a, a global scale. Yes. In Africa, where I'm from, yeah. Nigeria, to be very precise, there isn't mortgages the car you drive the house you live in yes is all all cash right yes. then someone like myself come to a country like this uh-huh. where for example 90 percent of everything we do is literally leverage yes so Did we that have blow
0: your mind we in Fr- a good and a bad way
2: in, when i first came through i didn't understand it but as i understood it i adapted in a very very intelligent way yes you know because to get a loan in africa yes you have to know someone in the bank
0: Interesting.
2: So, you have to have a personal relationship with your banker. Yeah. That's one. Or two, you have to have a personal relationship with the manager. Yeah. Based on that personal relationship, then they can actually structure a loan for you. So,
0: that's proper old school lending. Proper old school lending
2: is very, very old school lending. Now, unlike the UK, when I came here, I discovered you don't even need no human being. No. All you just needed was a good credit file. Yeah and you click, a, click of a button, yeah. and you got that. So we have that sort of institutional leverage. Yes. And then secondly, it again, on a global scale, I'm from Nigeria. Yes. You know, in this country, everything about you can easily be found online. Yes. Obviously, now we have a global global um, um, you know, digital footprints people can actually if, as long as you're sharing something yes on the on the net google will actually collect that data about you and people can almost get 50 percent of who you are a true picture of who you are it can be found on the internet so in nigeria for example yeah people trade with people 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 exchange money but people would not just easily trust you to take money from them to go and build you
0: uh,
2: uh, an empire. So it, it becomes very, very, very strict out there. But here in the UK, it's obviously different. People can easily trust you and people can easily work with you and people can want to just earn from you passively rather than them working hard. So. The point I'm trying to make is that the opportunities are there for everyone especially in an advanced yes. you know you know economy like the UK but understanding the importance of risk 100 and de-risking yes it's key when it comes to other people's you know using other people's money yes. to grow because first of all institutions themselves do that yes. government themselves do that but you found that on you know people you know people generically you know don't want to get in that sort of let me learn what is good depth let me learn what is bad debt so let me use the good debt I've learned what it is yes. to actually build myself abundance yes. which means in a couple of years time you can actually de-risk That's which is what you've done perfectly so for example I'm on a mission to build in a nine figure business let me get to my nine figure let me pay so I can owe yes. let me pay down so I can have a life where I don't have to worry about debt yes people do do it and sometimes people be like okay actually I don't why do I ever need to pay down my debt let me paid down my debt at 50% level and I know I have 50% equity works, which is also fine that's yeah. work for you but why isn't people understanding the ability to do this
0: because we're brought up in school my mum was a teacher my dad was a professor so the education I was brought up in an educating family so but our our culture and our schooling is still kind of industrial age in some ways about debt money financial management i mean there were geography lessons there were history lessons there were french lessons there was no finance lessons i think we had modern studies in scotland yeah. but we learned about culture and culture is great but nobody taught us about finance financial management uh, planning you, you know uh, cash flow management uh, profit and loss balance sheets You know, for some of the audience, it'd be like, oh, my Lord, I got to read about that stuff. Yeah, you probably do need to learn some stuff. So we did not get taught business and financial competency in an entrepreneurial way as something that's natural as drinking water you know and so I think so it's it's difficult to uh, and we got taught go to work you know go to school go to university get degree get a good job get a mortgage spend the next 25 years paying it down retire and live on your pension and you're like well you know (laughs) that that doesn't work anymore for so many people so I think what's happening is people like you and I are looking at this and managing well are kind of in the next stage of a system where money is more fluid uh, and and I hate to see people you know people retiring on a third of their salary like you know pensioners who just can't afford to go out I, yeah. I, I find that tragic and it's because the money management principles that are still embedded in our culture, are kind of from the last century not from this century Yeah. however there is also risk um, so people also don't get taught about managing and mitigating risk
2: 100% agree on that people aren't taught managing risk and litigating risk yes. as well yes and Obviously, entrepreneurship is not for everybody. Yeah. So, for those who are listening, uh, one of the things our audience are all entrepreneurs. And I mean, probably we do have entrepreneurs who are starting or people who are yeah. just aspiring but understanding these principles is quite key yeah. that you are never going to have enough money to build it no but never. what you can do is to build it and then de-risk
0: that's right build it and de-risk but but also manage the cash so tightly. so years ago and and by the way the Nigerian connection my assistant Jeffta, is from Nigeria oh wow and so it's been an absolute blessing to work with somebody who's got a different culture to me Mm -hmm. Um, and it's really interesting I'm going on a side note here it's really interesting (laughs) Um, and so he's just because I want people to succeed he's now doing some of my training because obviously I I open up all of my my training programs to to my team yeah and it's really interesting watching his culture come through uh, on this ambitious really competent young man Uh, but then but what would be super interesting is it, it So he's very people focused, which seems to me to be quite a Nigerian trait, very focused on uh, gratefulness and and thoughtfulness and kindness. And I'm thinking, man, if you just brought that amazing ability to be around people and value them and couple that with fundraising, that's that's an amazing combination. Yes. Going back to cash flow, I learned cash flow because years ago when I was 22 and I'm now 52, so 30 years ago, I started a fair trade business and I had five shops in Scotland. I didn't do it with any debt at all. Uh, and I started with a little pasting, you know, like a wallpaper table yeah. at fairs and festivals, running it out the back of my little estate car, you know, putting it up, taking it down, you know, the clips, the market store clips with the tarpaul and all of that stuff. Right. And I grew into a small, a small chain of shops in some of the cities and Scotland. And every single Monday, the first thing I did on a piece of paper was work out my cash flow for the week and the month, predicting my sales. What have I got in the bank? What do I predict my sales to be this week, next week, the week after and the week after? So four weeks, right? Okay. What are my bills coming in? It was all so like pen and paper. And then what money have I got left that I can reinvest in stock or growth or expansion or marketing or staffing? okay right you know let's go and then i bought to that point to sell more product and then next monday okay where are we at where's the bank what's my predictions you know what's the trend da, 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 da. and so i learned cash flow proper old school with pen paper and a piece of a4 on a weekly basis to grow that business from a little pasting table to five shops so so when you feel cash flow like that so you're like i can only buy my stock once i predicted my cash flow and then i put my orders in on on the Monday, they came on the Tuesday and the Wednesday and Thursday, they're out in the shops for the weekend, they sold and then on the Monday we do it again. Yeah. You then, you can you can then bring kind of cash flow management into your body. Now, these days I use zero. I have a bookkeeper, I have an amazing accountant, you know, but I know that cash flow is key. And and so I don't do it on a piece of paper, pen and paper anymore. I don't manage any of my financial management anymore, but I am aware that that is the number one priority.
2: Yeah. Especially when you have to be on a, you know, on a pedal where you're trying to really build wealth and, yes. and that is going to be deep rooted. It's so important yes. for you to have that understanding, yes. you know, the money you're raising, you know, how are you going to pay back? Yes. How are you going to leave? Yes. How are you going to pay your expenses? Yes. And how are you going to pay the tax man and all these different things? It's yes. quite important, you know, because the truth is that when it comes to raising finance, I believe and I say this all the time, most times, that you're never going to have enough money to do property. No, never especially if you're looking to leave off property income. Yes.
0: So I didn't pull up, sorry, I'm jumping in. Yeah, my on, finger's coming out. <laughs> I don't think I pulled a penny out my property portfolio for like, I don't even know, seven, eight years. I, I forget the exact amount of time, but over five years. Wow. Because every single penny was going back in to build the property portfolio. So it was it was under a decade, but over five years mm. before I went, okay, let me get paid now. So everybody else got fed first and then I got fed. And that's how I was able to get, you know, that delayed gratification. Uh, So I think it's important to be able to manage and monitor that. But something we talked about before we started the podcast, and I'm sorry we had such a good conversation, (laughs) was what you've done to get to a certain place is not always successful to where you go to the next place Mm -hmm. so that kind of pen paper cash flow management system was only successful to a certain level and then i needed to re-look at myself and go you need to upgrade your mentality your skills your focus and your strategic focus on this business because a pen and paper cash flow mentality is going to creak with the level of business you've got now so you always need to continue to grow your own skills as well particularly if we're looking at other people's money because i think As you are raising more and more money, you need to be more, I wouldn't even want to use the word sophisticated, but you need to be more competent. You need to have reporting systems in, you you need to be able to see things at a click of a button because we're talking about millions here, not, you know, I I forget even what my sales were, but five shops, you know, 20, 30 years
2: ago. And dignity is is at the center of it all.
0: Yes. Dignity. You are going to pay people back and you're going to succeed.
2: Yeah. And you have to have dignity yes because if you don't have dignity then you yeah. know and we spoke about obviously doing business not to hurt people but doing business because sometimes people get into this anxiety of you know losing the grips and then hurting so many people
0: oh, tragic. and we've
2: seen that happen all we, the time yeah so let's quickly you know talk towards building it up all yes. right because I, I really want the people to kind of get a lot of value from building it up yes so we kind of gone you know gone into all the different junctions to actually deep dive into them but building it up and when it comes to raising finance yeah all right does it just naturally happen no <laughs> and, <laughs> and 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 if we just want to give something from the heart so very freely away three major steps okay. to begin raising finance
0: uh so the first one is remove it from you and make it a process make it a system this is something i do not this is who i am and oh my gosh what are they going to think of me so so by doing that what you need to do is systematize it you need to prioritize it and you need to diarize it you know so in your diary Uh, 30% of your time if you're on property on raising finance, whether it's banks or private finance, 30% of your time on deals, 40% of your time organising your business. Now, whether that's across your staff or whether that's just you. So let's just take that 30% of the time. So you're going to put between one and a half and two days a week in your diary before you get out of bed on the 1st of January to say, those are my fundraising days. They're normally going to be the day after you go to an event where you meet lots of new people, right? Uh, and you are going to work for one and a half to two days a week on raising money, whether it's with your bank manager, whether it's with your mortgage broker or whether it's with private finance. So now you wake up and you're like, ah, oh, dang, I got to do fundraising because it's in my diary. Yeah, Can't get out of it. Yeah. So number one is you step into it. It doesn't just happen to you Mm -hmm. you're like and then number two it's a process so um without trying to sound cynical because i'm not at all cynical about raising money because my goodness the amount of money people have made off me you know good on them but they've made a shed ton of money off me and number two is it's a business so uh, it's about putting leads in the top of the funnel assessing the fit the competency the risk and then, uh, and the conversion rate, and then getting to the right people to do agreements with. So, number one, I think, is scheduling. Number two is understanding it's a process from lead to agreement. Yeah. And then number three is that whole kind of forward planning, cash flow management like we've talked about. Yeah. But the other part of forward planning, I think is for me when I raise money, so say you lent me money, right? Yeah. On the 1st of January, you gave me a hundred grand. Thank you very much. We agreed an interest rate. You know, everything was signed. Lovely. And every single month I paid you. On the 1st of June, you and I would have a, a, a meeting. So I would have sent you a number of reports throughout the year to say, you know, da da da, this is happening, this is all going well, you know, or things didn't go so well, but I solved it by doing blah. Um, and on the first of June, we would have a meeting. So we had a year's agreement from first of January till the first thirty-first of December. Six months into that agreement, I would sit down with you and say, here are my plans for next year. So you're not feeling, oh my goodness, I need to make a, a decision at the last minute. So the first question would be, in six months time, would you like your money out? Or would you like to keep your money in with me, considering you're being paid every month, your interest? The second question would be, do you want more money in or less money in? If you said, yes, please, I'm in. The third question would be, shall we do two things instead of one? You know, maybe a joint venture as well as some private lending. So you're not feeling pressured by me. Because you've got six months to make that decision. I'm not feeling last minute-itis by you. Uh, and everything is nice and calm and planned in advance. And it feels professional to you, the person that's lent me the money. So there you go, diarising, a, a a conversion and professionalisation of the leads, yeah. and then pre-planning, which is cash flow management and investor management. Because that is, if say you had lent me the money, yeah. that is me managing our relationship in a way that is solid and strong yeah. in advance no pressure no pressure yeah
2: i really love how you explain that and i'm bringing you forward now we're currently in a very dicey market dicey well
0: enjoyable
2: dicey market
0: okay dicey
2: <laughs> we're searching a negative market we're searching a market where your interest rate has just gone crazy I don't want to invest in property anymore a little
0: bit not much no
2: we shouldn't (laughs) (laughs) no actually invest in property that's what that means you know because do you know how many people have reached out to myself it's not a good time I know know, how's property doing no I'm not going to invest in property you see and I say this all the time right it's not property that makes you wealthy no way It's not property that gives you the cash flow. It is your creativity. Yes. It is the strategies. Yes. It is the exits. Yes. It is what you know. Yes. That makes you money in assets. Correct. property is just a vehicle.
0: It's just a vehicle.
2: If you buy the worst property on the worst location, you're losing money.
0: Yeah. It would be a really dumb thing to do. You
2: have to buy the right property. Yes. All right. Or you have to buy the worst property in the right location. Correct. Do you know... I mean for the audience some people think you have to buy property anywhere no. you can go and buy I'll give an example we bought the worst property somewhere in Newcastle the other day for £70,000 spent £22,000 on it the property's worth one twenty. we got revalued so 5% you know mortgage and then £90,000 Lovely. we bought property in the so, worst property in the best money, location mm, yep. for fifty, the property's worth £1.2 million today yes we leverage on it yes how about someone that i know who bought a property for a million pound till today he can't sell it
0: that's tragic
2: today the property is not generating any income
0: oh that see that's heartbreaking so but what research what homework was done
2: this is the thing people think i'm just gonna go and buy a house
0: no 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 no. you got to know the micro i mean you um so You've got to know the strategic, the kind of raising money, the, you know, buying, how do you get the discounted deals? And then you've got to know the micro level of your area or your multiple areas. If you doing, I like, I like clustering, but multiple areas. So, you know, we did a lot of deals in Bristol. Right, so we knew which side of the street was the better side of the street.
2: I'm coming to Bristol to, to to expand my portfolio. By the
0: way, <laughs> <laughs> it's a great place to invest. I'm telling you, yeah. So, so we knew which was the better side of the street. We knew in a in a in a series of five streets which was the best street out of those five. We knew, like in cities, you know, when one area slowly mig- migrates or turns into another area, w- we would buy at the edge of the good area because slowly that's going to expand out. I have I have a property which. Is technically in hot wells For anybody that knows uh, Bristol, I would definitely love to call it Lower Clifton. Mm. There is no place <laughs> Lower Clifton. There's just Clifton, which is the poshest part, and then there's Hotwells. And I'm like, yeah, I'm 200 meters away from <laughs> Clifton, so I believe I may add Lower Clifton to that address, right? Yeah. I'm t- because what I've done is I've piggybacked on the amazing location within a 200 meter radius, and as that radius spreads, the wealth spreads. Woohoo! Yep. You know, it's. Got Going up and up so you really need to know your detail you need to be in the street going are these cars old or new because usually, if they're older cars, it's a rental market. Well, nobody's really going to want to buy where every other property surrounding them is a rental. So, am I in a buyer street or am I in a renter street? Great if you want a rental, but when you sell it again, you're only going to be selling to landlords, and they tend to not want to buy, you know, super high. You need to you need to look at the the the, the lofts. Uh, has this area gone into the loft? if so what we've got is a whole bunch of people with young families going into the loft with quite a lot of money because that's the mm-hmm. 60 grand plus renovation even for a little three-bed terraced house in bristol you know so you need to be able to read a property area really well
2: and that's why it's so important to get educated
0: 100 yeah. percent.
2: you know i would have never done what i've done in property without beginning my educational journey
0: yeah and but, we talked about and that, we
2: talked we? To, and we talked about you know, the level of different types of mentors I've used to yes. get to where I am. And you also spoke about yours as well. Yes. And sometimes people just do things out of out of the sake of doing things. Like, yeah. oh, I kinda know everything and I know what I'm gonna do. Yes. You know, to get my journey started. And so it's so important for you to kinda get educated. And find what- people who are doing what What you you want to do I got the result you're looking for
0: look we're both got our fingers pointing (laughs) now but one of the things I find is that investors go to estate agents now uh, estate agents are amazing
2: and they go to brokers
0: but brokers arrange finance and estate agents sell property neither one of those two has the word I'm a property investor behind them so don't go to an estate agent to ask them about how to be a property investor because you're asking uh, a a dog to be a cow you know it's the wrong thing it's a different animal.
2: Mm-hmm. And I had a conversation, you know, by the way, I always say I have a conversation because this is a genuine truth. <laughs> I have different conversation with people every single day. And sometimes when I come on a podcast, it just gives me the opportunity to kind of leverage the information that I received. Yes. To kind of, you know, get, get the answer out of my experts, who's yes. obviously my guest. I had a very interesting conversation with someone the other day. And then they said to me, um, I want to buy a property. Um, and the property is literally worth 500,000 pounds. And I think the average property in the area is 800,000 oh. pounds. Uh, and I said to them, how did you arrive? Yes. At that figure at 800,000 pounds. And when we kind of drill deeper, we found that he's trying to buy a terrace property. Okay. And however was compared to the touch house.
0: No, apples and apples, not apples against oranges. You know, and
2: then the investment decision Completely, completely go changed. bizarre. Yeah. So you're not you're thinking, oh, there are properties in the area that's worth eight hundred thousand pounds because your terrorist property. So you have you do have people who are who make uninfirmed an decision And
0: that's really when it comes to property. Frightening and sad because that's no good for them or their family, let alone anybody else who's funding them. Yeah. yeah
2: absolutely wow it's been such an amazing podcast oh <laughs> we my can keep, going. We we can keep, keep going we keep going right now you spoke about the fact that you now invest with people so how yes. does that work and how do you invest with people
0: i um do direct loans and i do it with people i've seen go through their journey mm-hmm. so none of them are beginners and i talk to those people and i say this is this year um I, i'm doing my planning for next year So in 12 months time, I would like to invest with you. So I actually tend to approach them. So what, what people will find uh, and they're like, okay, great. Um, and I'm like, this is the sum I'm looking to invest and I'd like to invest it with you. And roughly around about this time period. Okay. And so, because I really respect the fact that they're running a business. So I'm not like, you know, prima donna, I want to, you know, I'm like, so within your strategy first can you let me know whether that would work for you because Mm -hmm. i've got to respect does this work is this part of your business strategy and second that then allows somebody a kind of 12 month period to think yeah i'd like to work with her i'd like to take that money please so let me um put that into my business strategy so that they can clearly and professionally to deliver the project that would work for the funding,
2: yeah,
0: which is interesting. So you got that funding triangle, smaller people with like 20 to 50 grand. That is you finding them. Hi, have you got any money? <laughs> like, yes. Could you lend it to me, please? Yeah. I mean, obviously much more professionally done. Yeah. 50 to 100, that is you finding them. Hi, have you got any money? Oh, 100, could you lend it to me, please? And then above the hundreds, once you're hitting people with millions of pounds, typically they're quiet watchers in the corner of the room the way my behavior is so i've already figured out who i want to work with so it's all very well that somebody would come to talk to me but if i met them now i wouldn't be releasing funds to them for two to three years so they at that and i'm not chasing that relationship because of course i've got a lot of people in my circle Um, so if somebody wanted to raise money from somebody with a serious amount of cash like me or anybody, you know, it doesn't need to be me. What they'll find is the investor is quite quiet. The investor would need to be managed as in they do the relationship build, you know, if it, if it isn't a natural relationship build, yeah. if they don't live in the same city or they're not really good friends in advance. And that investor will then sit down and talk strategically rather than quick blaster cash. And those are the best investors and the reason is number 1 they got most money so they're worth the effort number 2 they've been through business so they know things go wrong so with the people I invest in I don't freak out when things go wrong I want to know but I don't freak out because yeah. I've got full confidence in their ability to to navigate because I've watched them develop yeah uh, and also I'm a lot more not relaxed about money but what I found with the middle group, who typically were corporate people, had saved money, had done really well for themselves, they're really anxious about their money because it's their nest egg. Yeah. Whereas I'm like, well, I know things go wrong, so I've got full confidence that this project's going to deliver and you're going to deliver as an entrepreneur. Yeah. So lower level people, you have to chase them. Middle level people, you have to chase them. Higher level people, they will quietly go, call me. Or I would like to work with you in a year's time. Yeah. Does that work for you? If so, let's have a conversation. Now, if you miss that signal, they're, they're onto someone else because part of the part of the assessment of somebody is have they got the process to follow up. Yeah. You know. So one one person I talked to uh, 18 months ago, I said I'd like to work with you in a year's time. This is the sum. They didn't follow up, so I didn't work with them. I'm sure they were really good, it's just they were busy, but for me if they were that busy there wasn't capacity to write things in a storm because they had too too many projects going on. So that was the correct outcome for this year. Maybe next year it'll work with them. So you want to be following up the very quiet people who only say it to you once, which means you need that process. Yeah. Have business card, must follow up.
2: Yeah. How do you basically identify the three types of investor you've just, you know, broken down now? Yes. Uh, for the purpose of those who are listening, listening to this episode, so we spoke about, you know, well, the lower people.
0: Look. Yes. Yeah.
2: Or you know, people who are just basically, you know got some money yes you've got to convince them hard yeah no you don't right no you just need to do the numbers yeah. okay so how so, do i, so, how do so, I how so maybe i mean what i mean hard convince them hard because you don't have any pedigree to your name so sure you gotta to show to them you're worth yeah my 50k yeah and but, because it's the only 50k I've got. Cool.
0: Yeah, but remember, I did this as a single parent with very little money. Remember, y- y- you know, and I was working very hard. It was the character that convinced them. I don't mean like I'm puffing myself up, but it's so clear to them that, I care enormously about the dignity which is the word you used. It's so clear that when somebody signed at that point it was checks by the way for you for you folks under 30 <laughs> who've never written a check. They were writing me checks. <laughs> it was so clear when somebody, you know, like 15 years ago when somebody wrote me a check for 50 grand, my throat would constrict with nerves. And i'd be like thank you very much because i and so that kind of biological response showed them that i cared enormously about this money like i took it so seriously so my whole demeanor showed them i took it really seriously so they were basically in the early days going off character off consistency off follow through doing what i said i was going to do when i said i was going to do it producing reports uh, uh, telling them the truth talking about things that could go wrong yeah, and so they were assessing the terrain as being an honest terrain of somebody who would try her very best if it went wrong. Yeah, yeah. So and I was I was thrusting information at them. You know, he, you know, I was bearing money when I still worked full time. Here is my salary. Here's my personal mortgage statement. He, you know, here here's my credit reference for my own personal. You know, uh, come and meet me in my house. So you can see how I live. You know, I wanted to be as open book as possible, so that it, if it was their choice to invest in me, having seen everything. Yeah. And if you're that honest, people are going to want to invest with you. And then, of course, I was you know doing thirty percent of my time on deals, so I was getting good deals. Yeah.
2: Would you say? the kind of deals we were doing back in them days you know flipping those transactions obviously you know some people might agree that this still a flipping market here at the moment some people may disagree now this is not a flipping market you know and because of that appetite that we have at the moment you know working with those you know people have got less than 50,000 pounds or around about 50,000 pounds got the money tied to their chest yes or actually, the people who are the mid, you know, mid people who's got between 50k to 100, again, professional, that's the only money that they've got, but yes. they want to invest. And the guy who's trying to convince them can't convince them enough. What is the follow through process in order for you to actually get that drawdown okay. to actually then invest?
0: So let's talk about how I find them and how I assess them, and which was your initial question yeah. and I deviated. And then how I use their money or... or uh, which type of person matched which type of product, if in a way, if you want to call it that. So when I'm, so let's say we met at a property event, yeah. I'd be like, Doctor Daniel Moses, it's very nice to meet you. I've seen your Instagram, I've seen some of your lives. Um, what's your objective? What's your time frame? And how much is your pot? So I wouldn't say it like that. What's your objective, time frame, and pot? But within two minutes, I swear to you, if we were 15 years ago, I'd be like, What are you looking to achieve? Um, When do you want to achieve it by and how much have you got to achieve it with? Um, Because, I'm, you know, I know what I do. I don't need to tell you much about what I do. I'm much more interested in the other. And I genuinely am much more interested in the other person. So, you know, you talk about family, you talk about your wife. So it's quite clear that's important to you. So it might be something to do with that. I don't know. You know, I see that you go to Africa quite a bit. So you might be like, Suze, I want to do this thing here. I'm like, whoa, tell me about it. How much is that going to cost? You know, when do you want to do that thing by? And then how much have you got to do it with at the moment and what's your gap and how are you going to make that gap? And you're like, well, I need 50 grand, but I'm working full time or whatever. And I'm like, well, do you know, funnily enough, (laughs) we could do something together. It's just a possibility. And and, and you've told me maybe you've got 200 grand. I'm like, we could potentially do something together where you, you go do your day job. I do the work and we split the profit and that could work for you. So, what's your time frame, what's your objective and how much is your pot? What do you want to do? When do you want to do it by? And how much have you got to do it with? And then I divide them into the sub 50k, the 50 to 100, and then the, you know, million plus. Yeah. So now I've got my three. And then the sub 50k, those folks tend to fund refurbs for me in the past. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, great. Thank you for allowing me to renovate this three-bedroom house into a five-bedroom HMO. Great, your money was used for that. I've refinanced it. I've pulled all the cash out Now I've paid you back. Thank you very much. Uh, The uh, kind of 100K people, those people tended to be joint venture partners whereby their money funded the refurb and the deposit and they got funding and they owned the property. We had legal agreements, joint venture legal agreements, added all the work and we split the profit 50-50 yeah so they were leveraging formal finance they were keeping the property in their name so they felt super safe uh, and then the top people those were the people who just lent me a hundred percent of the property a hundred percent of the refurb money so i was buying an infinite number of properties for me as long as my figures were good and i was refinancing back out and paying them back nice <laughs> Three different products for three different price points.
2: So would you then say investor first or deal first?
0: At the same time. But what will happen if you're starting out is you will get the deal first because every part of your blood and body doesn't want to go out to investors because we all find it uncomfortable. So almost always people get the deal first and then they got a sweat on to find the investor and then they find the investor. Then they realise oh, it's not so hard. And actually that person made a lot of money and that's really good for them. So maybe I don't want to like not sleep for five days trying to find an investor. So maybe I should now do what Sue said in the podcast with Dr. Daniel Moses and do 30% of my time working on investors in advance. Yeah. But I think because the deal is so... You know you can touch it and feel it everybody goes and gets the concrete deal first mm. and then sweats to get the investor but i would say a 30 deal 30 percent investor 40 percent making sure your business is organized
2: i totally totally agree with that at the moment what i'm actually doing is just building my investor pipelines yes i'm just building the investor pipeline every single day every yes. single week every single month year in yes. year out building my investor pipeline uh because In this current market that we are in right now, um, there's deals everywhere because people are not buying. Exactly. But what's not in the market is the flow of people who have wet appetite ready to invest. Yes. So currently for me, what I'm doing right now is, you know, building my investors pipeline all the time. Yes. You know, and then, you know, bringing a deal in because for me, how I'm thinking is what is the point of having... The deals and not having the investors exactly. to do it. So I really love how you also do it. So basically, get the deal, especially if you're starting out, because no investor wants to work with you no. where you haven't showed them they don't what, you what you're gonna do with the money. They don't have the. They don't know who you are. You have no credibility to your name. Yeah. Maybe you even don't even have a community behind you, yeah. or you can point to their examples of this yeah. is what this person has done. So it becomes very difficult that you have to obviously get a deal on the table. Yes. The number has to work you know and so on and so forth you spoke about delayed gratification yes and i couldn't have not go deep in delayed gratification because even coming to look at what i've achieved in especially since 2019 to now yes and i look back all the time i'm somebody that i always look back i always look backwards always look backwards part of the reason when i wrote my new book called the test I actually looked at 22 years of my life to write the test because I had to qualify what makes me want to talk about mindset. Yes. Because the test is all about mindset, you know, transitioning from an ordinary business or an ordinary individual to building an extraordinary business. Yeah. Or, or transitioning from a unknown business to building an unforgettable business. Yes. So, which is quite key. Yes. That can happen overnight. You cannot go from, ex, you know, from ordinary to extraordinary because it just happens no it goes with experience. it goes with life. It goes with being able to delay yes. what needs to be delayed all right in order for you to be gratified. But we're now live in a world today where property especially property circle, property entrepreneurs I know do not understand delayed gratification I know what's your take? and advice
0: Don't buy the Porsche. <laughs> until you've got properties unencumbered you know like we we live in a world where people rent cars to show off i love a good piece of luxury but that surface that the depth is a pillar of strength and rootedness in financial wealth so wealth is quiet like new money is a little bit loud wealth is quiet
2: wealth is quiet
0: and and actually i'm more interested in in quiet long-term wealth and the in like like
2: how to write that down by the way <laughs> what is quiet
0: we were to- we were talking before the podcast and we ha- we were like we have to get this on on camera for you guys because we were so enjoying the entrepreneurial conversation and that's part of quiet enjoyment of the game itself but well wealth- so i'm interested in quiet intelligent long-term wealth over let me rent a car but not you know not me but like somebody let me rent a car but not be sure if I can actually make the payments that's mad no no you know the the toys are like like I have an apartment in nine minutes from the beach in Barcelona right I love it I spend half my time there and it is my home and I just came back from it a week ago but i didn't buy it until i bought it with cash it's my home it's it although i'd call it a toy it's my home it's 50 percent of my time is in my home there and uh, 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 but i didn't buy it until i could buy it with cash so i didn't buy the it's not quite beachside it's nine minutes So i didn't buy the beach apartment until it was bought with cash you know so I, I i'm old school i'm from scotland you can't spend your money twice so you either spend it on fancy stuff too or like, like you know, like too early or you spend it later when actually it's a lot cheaper to spend because you're not paying any interest on anything do you see what i mean yeah so so um we we don't we're not going to go into any detail here but i had a very serious illness as we talked about briefly yeah. before uh, which we don't need to talk about today yeah. and i'm yeah, yeah, definitely um but on every scan i bought myself Gold, like like I felt like an Egyptian or a Roman holding on to talismans. So I only bought the gold jewelry, and you know we're not talking small stuff after the scan result came clear and all I was trying to do was hold on to, obviously I did all the usual stuff, all the, you know, the the eating well and the sleeping and the, you know, the meditation and the the parasympathetic state and the exercise and everything. But I also superstitiously said, if this scan is clear, I'm going to buy myself that 20 grand necklace. If this scan is clear, I'm going to go to Cartier. Um, But I only did that way past You know, I didn't I didn't buy myself nice things until I was way past the stage one, which is the acquisition. I was way into stage two, which is the pay down. And I did it partly to bolster myself like a child. You know, when your child is being naughty in the kitchen uh, and you're like, oh, honey, play with the saucepan and the wooden spoon. And it's a distraction therapy. I did it as a distraction therapy rather than a bling. I was like, Susanna, this is tough. So why don't you go to Cartier? Why don't you talk to the assistants there? Have a gorgeous afternoon trying on jewelry. Identify what you think is beautiful. And then when the scan comes through clear, you could buy it for yourself, my darling. But that was like years later. And so I was able to do that.
2: Wow. 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 The power of delayed
0: Gratification. Which so it doesn't mean that you delay forever and you're in like a holy, a holy, you know, cardigan. Like, you know, like y- you can go bling, but go bling when it's your cash.
2: I mean, a lot of entrepreneurs do say life is for the living. Yeah. You know, yeah, you gotta enjoy it too. And yeah. and then you're still building. And sometimes just because you're not going on five holidays, three holidays a year, people don't perceive you to be successful and people are stuck in that sort of abilities which again you're not building anything you're actually building to spend rather than actually building you know to become
0: yes you know to become free
2: to become free at a later stage yeah you know um yeah there are certain things that you might do in the process that could be impactful to your decisions for growth yes but there are also some certain things that you can do at that point of building that could obviously turn everything in and just you know destroy well, the foundation
0: i have a friend who's jamaican and i was talking to her on the way down um and she's she's not been particularly well for the last month or so and i'm like how are you how is it financially as well for you and she went "Souls," i'm with her beautiful jamaican accent so yeah. i can't do the accent but she went "Souls," i'm jamaican i don't put my hat where i can't reach it <laughs> and i was like that's so good <laughs> so that's the delayed gratification where you're basically disassociating the small number of years of to be honest quite hard work yeah. and it's no longer tied to your hourly rate yeah. so you're disassociating it in a almost a negative way at the beginning you're saying i'm gonna work tons of hours for very little money coming in yeah. you know i mean i was paying myself like 900 pounds a month yeah. you know who wants that i had two kids who wants that? It's terrible. Um, and, and now, like when my son went to college, I bought a property so that he could be safe when he went to college. That's because mama, you know, 10 years earlier was paying herself £900 a month. And now she's be able to provide property to make sure her, her man child, her baby boy, is safe. So um, it's, you're disassociating negatively at the beginning, so your hourly rate goes down to like nothing and your hours go up. And then later, you're disassociating your hourly rate from your income positively because you do very little and your income is very high because your assets are paying, paying everything.
2: But people are no longer interested in that. Well the world we live in today don't even, they don't believe in building
0: I mean this gorgeously more for them like it's only a small number of years and then you're living the life you want for the rest of your time yeah
2: I learned something with one of my mentors he says pay all the sacrifice today
0: yes hundred. do whatever
2: you can take all the pain take all the pressure today 100% obviously have a goal yes to have achieved it by this time
0: and enjoy the journey and then
2: enjoy the journey
0: but do it now yeah 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 But rather
2: people just want to squander right now and never actually get into that place
0: and what worries me about that I'm not like when I say more fool them I don't mean that like I'm trying to be rude or look down on somebody I'm like honey that's not going to help you you know you've been foolish And because what worries me about that then later on you know do do you want to be sat there on a pension a third of your salary and your salary you're only just getting by anyway that's a horrible way to live the last part of your life, Mm -hmm. you know. my mom, years ago, went on a, my mom loves gardening, right? She, you know, we always go to gardening shows like Chelsea and stuff. And yeah. um, she went on a Times paper, you know, the newspaper gardening tour. And so there was a lady there, a lady lady mm. with a title. Yeah. And she was in her 80s. She had a companion, a paid companion who's also a friend. And my mom sat and talked to her and she was in her 80s. And her companion said, oh, whatever the lady's name was, Lady So-and-So. Yeah, she still sits on the top of the train when we go to India. Yeah. And I was like, I want to be that woman. You know, I want to sit and enjoy my life in my 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s without a care in the world because I put a little bit of time in earlier and it was worth it.
2: Wow. So, ladies and gents on the podcast, you guys listening at home, this is a lady who has done over 45 million pounds worth of in property transactions. Who else are you going to listen to? Who else are you going to learn from? We're talking about me, you, people who have done some amazing thing in business and property. And I always say this all the time. Never go to the wrong person. No. For the right advice.
0: Ah, uh, that's very good. Yes, I agree.
2: Never go to the wrong person.
0: And we both, interestingly, both had mentors. Yeah. I had the same person for seven years and you've had some very interesting, very strong mentors. Yeah. So we didn't do it on our own no we we went to people who were able to keep us guided keep us well steered
2: one of my mentors would say shake you up (laughs) (laughs) it's like wake up don't sleep wake up yeah shake up you know
0: and also um allowing us to see that there's a bigger picture than the one that we currently think exists yeah really helped yeah so so never go to the wrong person for the
2: right advice I agree Susan thank you so much for driving all the way down from Bristol (laughs) to be in Bromley today (laughs) and to be in my studio here we're just having a fun just for the audience anyone had to reach out to you what's the best way to reach out to you?
0: probably either through some of the socials like instagram or facebook okay Um,
2: the show the links will be on the show notes anyway
0: and it's Susanna cole or um, my website thegoodpropertycompany.co.uk you can email us from there i got quite a lot of nice free stuff for people to download some webinars things like that as well as obviously some programs but it's a good place to start to to root around thegoodpropertycompany.co.uk
2: so guys make sure uh, you stay tuned for the next episode take care and have a fantastic day morning afternoon wherever you're watching from see you soon